I'm trusting that your copies of God's Word are still open to Romans 13, so uh, make sure that you're there. And I want to share briefly with you today a message just at the ending verses as Paul wraps up chapter 13. Uh, a message simply entitled, Awake. Awake. We're going to deal with those last few verses beginning in verse number 11. The bottom line is, as I read God's word in this 13th chapter of Romans, is simply this thought, it's later than you think. It's later than you think. The context, let me pull this back into some context for us. Do you remember as we've walked through Romans 13 that the direct context, the most direct thing that Paul said was really in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it dealt with very specifically the renewed mind. And our mind is to be renewed with God's word. Amen? You with me this morning? So as, as a believer walks in the spirit and, and his mind is renewed with the word of God, there are some markers that most naturally occur to the renewed mind. Paul plays that out in chapter 12. The renewed mind serves. It's the most natural thing. Just like you and I breathe, the renewed mind serves the body of Christ. In serving, things are going to happen. People are going to offend you. Even crime is going to be committed against you. Paul says that's to be expected. But the renewed mind does not take revenge personally. Instead, it understands that God has something called the civil government. For that, And we spill over into chapter 13. The renewed mind in a relationship with civil government. How is a believer to respond to governing authorities? Paul then continues as he unfolds the results, the fruit, if you will, of a renewed mind. In this second section of chapter 13 in his letter to the Romans. Talking about love. That basically the fruit of a renewed mind is a good citizen. Chapters 1 through uh, verses 1 through 7, and that our actions are guided by love and not law. Chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, that we are a good neighbor. We love ourselves instinctively and involuntarily, and that, beloved, is how the renewed mind loves his neighbor. We love our neighbor instinctively. We love our neighbor uh, involuntarily. Just like we love ourselves, we love others. This is the fruit of the renewed mind. Are you with me? Now, Paul, the great apostle, the great pastor, gives a powerful external motivation, first time he's done this, for the love walk of the renewed mind. And he does that in verses 11 through 14. Now he's going to lay on us a motive. Uh, here's why. Here's why this is so vital. Here's why we should love out loud. Here's why we should respond to the government in the way that we do. Here's why we should serve, not worrying about what happens. He's going to give us the motivation. He gives three strong exhortations to the saints at Rome. In your bulletin this morning, you'll find an outline. And in that outline, it goes something like this. The first exhortation is to wake up. Wake up. This, and that we find that in verse 11, the beginning of verse 12. The last part of verse 12 and verse 13, he tells us to clean up. And then the very last verse, 14, he tells us to grow up. Wake up, clean up, and grow up. This, this is Paul's external motivation 
for the renewed mind and it's love walk with his neighbor are you with me this morning do you understand the context vital that we do that all right so let's dive in i came across something the other day on the internet it's called the death clock you really should go there it's called just go deathclock.com don't do it now but when you go home and put it in there and it tells you you plug in a few little bit of information and it tells you when you're going to die approximately uh, if you'd like to know, Tiger Woods has till October 11th, 2049. Tom Hanks, April 20th, 2030. The Governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, May 11th, 2021. Our current president, Mr. Trump, only has till March 25th, 2020. For some of you, that'll be a joy. Others of you, not so much. We both probably need to repent. Billy Graham, August 18th, 1992. So this thing is not infallible. I, I just noticed this morning, his picture will come up here on the screen, Chuck Berry died yesterday. They found Chuck Berry dead on the side of the road, I think in his vehicle, uh, yesterday at 90 years old. So I did it. I went and plugged my name in there. I plugged in my information. If you would like to know, Pastor Paul Jettle Sr. will leave this earth on January 17, 2040. And I got to, I know I'm not good in math, but I got to do those numbers. That's not a long time. I'm apparently not going to be around as long as I had planned and hoped. So the bottom line, and I think it's good that we, the Bible says to teach us to what? Number our days that we might live rightly. Amen? We need to know that we're not going to be here forever. It's later than you think. So let's deal with that first part in verse 11, the beginning of verse 12. Where it says, wake up in your outline. You can fill that out, that little, that little slot there, if you will. Wake up. And do this. Do what, Paul? Verse 11. Love out loud. Love your neighbor. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Live like this, and here's why. And do this because, knowing at the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. It is time to wake up, Paul says. And he goes on to say, uh, as we wake up, for now our what? What's your Bible say, church? For now our what? Does everyone say salvation? salvation? For now our salvation is what? It's nearer than when we first believed. Now you thought you got saved when you, when you believed on Jesus, didn't you? This is talking about final salvation. When the last breath is taken, or even better yet, when the trumpet is sounded and Jesus returns. It's saying the return of Christ. In other words, your face-to-face -face appointment with Jesus is closer now than when you trusted Him whenever that was in the past. Maybe you've never trusted Him today. Maybe today's the day of your salvation. But it's closer now than it's ever been before. And that's what he says here. That day is dawning. It's closer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. It is here. I want to lay some scripture on you today. Because I think sometimes you get used to hearing me talk, and you don't think it through. So I want the word of God to speak to you today. Luke 21, verse 28 says this, should come up on the screen. Now when these things begin to happen, what does it say? Look up and do what? And lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws what, church? 
near. Your redemption. Jesus is coming. You've got a face-to-face appointment with the, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it's later than you think. Are you with me? John 3. Not John 3. I'm on the wrong page here. Let's get back here. Uh, Amos 4.12. There's a very curt statement by the minor prophet. Prepare to what, church? Prepare to meet your God. Let that one hang in the air for a minute. Can I ask you a question? Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you? Are there things that have been left undone? You need to prepare. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Again, the Apostle Paul says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. He says, wake up. Wake up. Ephesians 5, 14. Again, Paul says, therefore he says, read this with me. It's on the screen. Say it with me. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. We need to wake up. We need to rise from the dead. And we need to let the light of the resurrected Jesus Christ shine on us. It's closer to then you know it's later than you think. The Bible also says this in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6. The scriptures say, Therefore let us not sleep as others do. But what should we do, church? What's the scripture say? Let us watch and be what? Sober. Let's watch. Are you watching? When's the last time you went through your day and said, You know what? Jesus could come back right now. When's the last time the return of Christ ever crossed your mind except on a Sunday? Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to ponder this truth. We need to wake up as a sleeping church. We need to wake up to the reality that our salvation is right around the corner. That our day of our death or the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is an unknown. And, but we do know this. It's closer than you think. Are you with me this morning? That's what the Apostle Paul says as he's wrapping up this beautiful treatise on loving out loud. He said, look, you better get busy loving your neighbor. You better get busy submitting to the government. You better get busy having that renewed mind because it's later. And you think, wake up, church. Wake up. It will not be long. And the Lord will be before us face to face. But notice what he says in the last part of verse 12. I love this language. Paul uses it before. It's quite common to his writing. He says, therefore, he says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. If you have a teenager, you should wake them up with that every noon. Some of you will get that. Some of you teenagers need to get that. The day is far spent. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Then he says this. Because that's true, therefore, because it's later than you think, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us do what, church? Put on the armor of light. Paul says there is something to cast off and there is something to put on. And I'm going to deal with that last part more fully 
Because he tells us that it is not just a something to put on, it is a someone to put on, that we are to put on Jesus Christ. So let me reserve that part, if you'll allow me. But let's look at what this means to cast off the works of darkness. John 3, verses 19 and 20 says this, and this is the condemnation, here it is, here's the problem, that the light has come into the world, but what happened? And men loved what, church? Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Why do, why do we hate the light? Why do we not come to the light? Lest his deeds be what? Turn to your neighbor say exposed. How would you like right now to have your darkest deeds exposed and put up on that screen right there? Would you like that? I think not. I would not like that. And because of that, we fear the light, don't we? Because what does light do by nature? It, expo- it, lights up. it lets you see, listen, it lets you see what has been hidden. Hmm. We, are to, we are to wake up to this reality. You know why you don't, you know why you don't love Jesus? Because you know Jesus got, got the dirt on you. You know why you don't want to get close to Jesus? Because you know that when, he, when you do, that light's going to light up some stuff in your life that you worked very hard to keep secret and to keep hidden. I'm, I'm preaching better than you're listening this morning, church. I'm telling you the truth. Am I telling you the truth? Then talk to me. Absolutely. We don't like the light because we work very hard to keep some things in the dark. But oh, I want to tell you, the great apostle pastor says to us today, wake up. And don't just wake up, saints. Clean up. Clean up. Look at verse 13. I could not make this up. Let us walk How? Properly, You know there's a right way to walk. And there's a wrong way to walk. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, and not in strife and envy. Okay, previous verse. Put off works of darkness, put on armor light. Remember that? We just talked about it. Here's what you're putting off. It means to take off. You need, to take some, you need to take the dirty clothes off before you put the clean ones on. Amen? How many of you ever raised boys? Oh, God bless you. Every one of my boys has done this. Go take a shower. They come out of a room with clean clothes, and I say, what are you doing? I'll get my clean clothes. Did you take your shower yet? No. I thought this is the best way to carry them to the bathroom. Anyone, is this just my house, or do you all have the same experience? You will. Hang in there. David, wait. It's going to happen. That's because my kids are Polish. That could very well. I think it's just because they're boys. Just because they're boys. You know, you don't put clean clothes on a dirty body. And you don't put dirty clothes on a what? Clean body. And Paul says, hey, there's some stuff you got to take off. You have wrapped. You have, listen, some of you have clothed yourself in works of darkness. Am I speaking the truth this morning? And why do, you, why do we wear dark clothes? Why do we wear those dark clothes so we can Mm. So we can hide. We can hide and we can get behind something and we can, we can keep that light from exposing. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting it. Keep that light from exposing the truth. What's the truth about your life? We want to hide. We, don't, we put those works of darkness on so listen, so we look like everybody else in our environment and we don't stand out or stick out. 
But oh, the apostle says we need to put those things off. Put off. Now here he breaks it down for us. Three sets of clothing that need to be discarded by the believer. Are you ready for them? It's right there in verse 13. First one is revelry and drunkenness. Revelry just means hard partying. And I'm assuming you know what drunkenness is. By the way, some of you are not responding today. I swear you might have experienced that last night. (laughs) Hard partying and drunkenness. Put that off. That's got no place on a believer's life. And by the way, revelry is debauchery. It's, It's partying for evil purposes. Because I want to tell you something. Nobody parties like God. Y'all don't believe me, do you? Have you ever studied the Jewish... You ever hung around with Jewish people? Have you ever read the Bible? Jesus is forever in a party. Y'all act like you don't believe me. The Jews invented partying. Listen to me. Partying is God's idea. And it's His ideal. The very first miracle in the Bible. Where is Jesus? He's at a party. And the wine runs out. And most Baptists say, Oh, thank God, the wine. Jesus makes more. He makes more. Now, is He making it to get them drunk? No, because He says drunkenness is a sin. But partying, it's a God thing. It's a good thing. If you run out of wine, I'll make you some more. Okay? God is not against partying. God is against partying with wicked intention. God is against partying to get, to get fallen down drunk. That's a sin. But God is all about having a good time with the good gifts that he gave. But this, this kind of partying, this kind of sinfulness, God said, no, you take that garment off. That thing's soiled. has no business being on my child. Here's the next one, lewdness and lust. Lewdness and lust. Coarse joking, Paul would say later on. He said, oh, that's not me. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. What are you watching on TV? Mm, yeah, preacher, you've gone from preaching to meddling now, haven't you? Huh? What are you watching? I, I listened to some of you talk about some shows. I went and looked them up. I about had to gouge my eyes out. Turn that garbage off. What are you doing? That's lewd. That's rude and indecent. The only person you ought to see like that is your spouse. Mm Mm-hmm. And that should be often. With great zealousness and joy. What are you laughing about? God made that too. I'm telling you, God's a good God. People ask me, eight kids, you know what causes that? I say, yes, I do. And I got a license to practice, and I believe practice makes perfect. Hey, that's good. And what, here, here's, what, here's what Satan does. He takes a good thing, a good gift, and he twists it and makes it dirty and nasty and uses people up and throws them away like yesterday's newspaper. That's not godly. He said, oh, I would never do that. But you're watching that garbage on TV. You ought to repent. That's wrong. We ought to be running away from lewdness and lust and not running towards it. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Some of you need to clean up your TV watching. Some of you need to clean up your movie going. Some of you need to watch, you need to start thinking about what you're reading and letting in that mind gate of yours. 
I'm talking to the preacher this morning. You just get to listen. I'm preaching to myself. Hey, put it off. God says, hey, that garment's got no business being on you. Last one, strife and envy. Strife is fighting, and envy is wanting what someone else has that God has not yet provided. And God's got a word for you. Stop it. Just stop it. Stop wanting what God has not provided and enjoy what he has for a change. Matter of fact, I think if we would take more time enjoying what God has given us, we would be wanting less and less and enjoying more and more. Stop fighting. Stop that, stop that picking at each other. Stop that fussing at each other. Oh, I tell you what, nothing just aggravates me more than to walk in that house and hear two of my kids just chewing on each other. Boy, I can't stand that. I can't stand it. Why? Because that's my house. I pay for everything in that house. I lead those kids in such a way to teach them to love Jesus, and Jesus is the Prince of Peace, not the referee of a fight. And I expect and demand that the peace of Jesus reigns in my house. And I don't want my children chewing on each other. I want my children serving. If they want to, if they want to have a, 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 a contest, let them have a contest of who can outserve the other. Stop the fighting. Stop the envying. Paul says, put those things off. The Bible says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. For it is a shame to even bring those things up, the Bible says. Men love darkness rather than light, John three nineteen and 20, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his de- evil deeds should be exposed. We need to be able to come to the light. Look what Ephesians 5, 11 and 12 says. It should come up on the screen. If I'm in the right place. And have no fellowship. Everyone say no fellowship. Some of you need to unfriend the following. Okay? You need to unfriend them. Unfruitful works of darkness. Don't don't be friends with the unfruitful works of darkness. They don't produce fruit. And they're dark. Stay away from them. Have no fellowship with them. But instead do what? Expose them. What does the light do? Hmm. I wonder if there's a connection there. John 3, 19 and 20. He says we're, we're to expose those unfruitful works of darkness. And then one, one more, Proverbs 28, 13. You should write this down in your outline. This is, so, this is a verse that I have loved and hated depending on what chapter of my life I've been in. He who covers his sins will not what? How many of you want to prosper? The rest of you are either too tired to raise your hand or you're not telling the truth. We all want to prosper, don't we? How many of you, how many of you want, to, want your relationships to prosper? Huh? Yes. Then stop hiding your sin. Stop trying to cover your sin. Stop, stop wearing those unfruitful works of darkness. Those are not the clothes that God has designed for the believer. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Okay, so what's the, what's the other option? Look at it. But whoever, what's that word? Confesses. It's not just confess, though. It's also what? forsakes them, what are they going to have? Comes up on the screen, mercy. How many of you want some mercy? 
If you want some mercy, then start confessing. You know what word confess means? It means to call it what God calls it. Stop saying it's a weakness and start calling it what it is. It's a sin. Stop saying, well, I have an addiction and start calling it what it is. It's a sin. I don't got an addiction problem. I got a sin problem. And I'm going to stop coddling my sin and I'm going to start calling it what it is. And I'm not only not going to call it, I'm not just going to call it sin. I'm going to, I'm going to call, I'm going to name it what God names it. And then I'm walking away from that thing. In Jesus' name, I'm walking away from that. So I'm forsaking it. Not enough just to call it what it is. We got, we got to walk away from it. Are you with me this morning? We got to start walking. We got to start walking in the opposite direction of the sin that so easily trips you up. And when we do, we get mercy. You know mercy? I love mercy. I love me some mercy. You know why? Mercy's not getting what I deserve. How many of you know what this preacher deserves? My wife raised her hand. You, you hush and stand on my preaching woman. <laughs> now that lady's got enough on me to bury me. <laughs> yeah. I know what I deserve, and it's not mercy. I don't, want, I don't want justice from God. I want mercy. Amen? And through the blood of Jesus Christ, it can be obtained. But we need to do some confessing. We also need to do some forsaking. All right, let me wrap this up and hit this last point. Don't just wake up, but then clean up and grow up. Wake up, clean up, grow up. Say it with me. Wake up, clean up, grow up. And here's what growing up looks like. According to the Apostle Paul, I love this in verse 14. I'm going to open God's word here. Here's what it says. But, okay, he just gave us all, that, all them clothes to take off. Now we're standing there naked. Yeah. By the way, the Bible says we stand naked before the Lord. He knows, he sees right through everything we're trying to put on to hide from him. So here we stand, but it's time that you've got to get dressed. What do you put on? But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What am I supposed to wear? I'm not supposed to wear a thing. I'm supposed to wear a person. I'm supposed to wear Jesus. Or maybe more accurately, Jesus is supposed to wear me. I'm supposed to be the glove that Jesus wears to touch a lost and a dying world. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Do you remember that uh, verse earlier? It talked about taking off those, those dirty clothes of darkness and putting on the armor of light. How is light and armor? Because light is light. How does it arm us? How does it protect us? It protects us because everything that comes near that, near you when you're wearing Jesus Christ, also gets exposed. You with me? So the next time you're sitting down and you're watching that TV show, I just, watch it, go ahead and watch it, but just know that Jesus is sitting right there watching it with you. How's that feel? Next time you want to go and drink to drunkenness, go ahead. But just know that Jesus is right there with you watching every drink. Next time you want to lose your temper and lay down the law in your family instead of loving out loud, go ahead. But just know that Jesus is right there 
marking every word, hearing every bit of that envy and strife. He's right there. And that armor of light, when we put on Jesus, oh, all of a sudden, when, when we real, you don't need to invite him. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's there anyway. He's right there with you. He's with you in all of your sin. I want you to listen to that. He's with you in all of your sin. And you know what the beauty of that is? He loves you anyway. Oh, is this a good God that we serve. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it means to grow up. Let me run through some verses for you. Ephesians 4.24. And that you put on the new man. Everyone say new man. Which was created according to who? God. In true righteousness and holiness. How about this one? We went over this in Sunday school a couple weeks ago. Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ. Allow the mind of Christ to be your mind. You have it. What about this one? Colossians 3.1-3 says this. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Now check this out in verse 3. It's vital. For you what? Died. You're a, you have died to that old life. And look, look at this. And your life now, the resurrected life, is hidden what? With Christ where? In God. Where are you? You're in God. You're in Jesus Christ who's at the right hand of the Father right now if you've Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and invited him to be the, the rescuer and redeemer of your life. You are right now in heaven. You are right now in Jesus Christ who is also in the Father. That's why no man can pluck him out of God's hand. Amen? Oh, this is good news. This is good news. Colossians 3, again, just bumping on down a few verses, 10 to 12. And, ha and have put on the new man, there it is, who is renewed in knowledge... According to the image of him who created him. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Look at this. Here's what you're to put on. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. He said, that doesn't sound like me. No, but it sounds like Jesus. And if you start wearing him, it's going to start sounding like you. Isn't that beautiful? It's the grace of God. It's the grace of Almighty God. A uh, couple more real quick. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, you've got to do several things. What's the first one? Let him what? Deny himself. You know what that means? Someone needs to hear this this morning. When's the last time you said no to yourself? Hmm? We get frustrated with our children because they lack self-control. What about you, Mom? What about you, Dad? When's the last time you said no to you? And I have learned this in my life. The more I say no to me, the more able I am to say yes to him. I have met the enemy, and he is me. Deny yourself. Oh, but then that's the starting place. Say no to self. Oh, but there's one more thing. There's two more things. And take up what? Mmm. Take up the cross. How often? Mm -mm 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 -mm. 
every single day. You know, the historian said this, Josephus said this, you knew one thing that was about a man who was carrying a cross outside the city. You knew he wasn't coming back. Every day. Every day. Every day. We need to be bearing that cross. We need to be dying to self, saying no to self. Because only then can we do this last part. And what does it say? And what church? Follow me. You'll never follow him unless you're on the cross. Unless you've said no to self, put to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll never follow him. The end of that verse says this. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Can I tell you what that means in plain English? And I'm going to land this plane. Here it is. Stop planning your sin. That's what Paul's saying there. Stop planning your sin. Okay, can I put it on the bottom shelf? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out one of my father's proverbs, one of daddy's principles that he taught me growing up. I'll never forget when I accepted the truth of what he said and quit fighting my dad and began to listen. He says, son, if you'd spend as much time doing your work as you do trying to get out of it, we'd have a better relationship and you'd be free quicker. And I'll never forget... I'll never forget the day. He told me that a hundred times. And I'll never forget the day I thought, you know what? That old guy's not as dumb as he looks. <laughs> He's right. He's absolutely right. I'm just going to do my work and stop trying to get out of it. I lit the whole backyard on fire one time because I was tired of mowing the grass. I, the whole thing. And Daddy come home from work early. We were, we were, we were having a backyard burning. And I'm standing there literally with the gas can in one hand and a lighter in the other. I didn't do that. But I got a good father. He made me put it out. And all summer, I mowed dirt. Because it was the principle of the thing. What was I talking about? Oh, stop planning for your sin. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Listen, the flesh wants what the flesh wants. And a lot of times, it's not what God wants. So stop putting so much time into planning your sin and maybe take that same time and start planning righteousness. Maybe we should be planning living right and not planning, pre-planning our sin. What a novel idea the great apostle pastor leaves us with this morning. Stop planning your sin. Okay, I just got to be honest with you here. I did not like this text this week. It, uh, it, it kind of hurt, just to be truthful with you. It, it told me that God is very serious about sin, and I need to stop planning for my sin, make no provision for the flesh. And then I came across this verse. It's a few screens ahead if you can find it, Ellie. Colossians 3, 5. And it says this, therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
And it came to me. The Lord just started to just bring things up. I could see them. I don't know if God works with you like that. I could see them. And here's the message. The sin in you must die so that the saint in you can live. The sin in you must die so that the saint in you can live. Put Jesus on. And allow him to remove those old clothes. And live in the light. Stop running away from your sin. Stop covering your sin. Get in front of it. Lay it at the cross. That's where sin is dealt with. Sin must die. And I close with this statement from John Piper. We must be killing sin or our sin will be killing us. I'm going to invite the musicians to come. I want you all to stand. Everybody stand. Musicians come. I think somebody in this room needs to do some business with God.